And therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, verse 14. Hello, my name is Lindsay Bozinski, and I'm a senior at UNI, just graduating in a couple weeks. A lot of you might know me from leading musical worship, but tonight I'm going to lead worship by sharing what I know is true about hope in my disordered story. I was raised Catholic, in a Catholic family, Catholic church, and went to a Catholic school. I grew up knowing and believing in Christ, but I never had a personal relationship with him. But my faith took a turn at the end of my junior year of high school when my best friends betrayed me. After that, everything just fell apart one piece after another. I threw my feelings aside and developed a hair pulling disorder. I never thought I was depressed or anxious till I realized it took form through hair pulling. And I woke up one morning with my entire right eyebrow gone. I went into two years of therapy and was much farther from my faith than I have ever been. But I was convinced that God didn't love me and I didn't have hope to come out of this. But believe it or not, this is where I really found Christ. When I thought he was the most absent, he was the most present. The end of my senior year, I connected with a girl named Emily, who is now my best friend to this day. One night, she brought me to a high school ministry called Ignition. And looking back, I realized why it was called that, because it created a spark of light that ignited my hope again. She encouraged me to go to a conference in Panama City that Ignition takes every summer. I knew God was telling me to go, and so I did. It ended up being the most amazing experience, encountering Christ with others and in different forms of worship. And ever since that trip, I knew that everything that happened to me was to get me to this place, to find him and to find hope that God is who he says he is. I found who I was. I fell in love with worship music and ministry and began to walk by faith and build my personal relationship with Christ. But today, I'm not here to tell you my story doesn't have a chronological order with one point to a smooth sailing end. Just two months ago, my three-year relationship abruptly ended. I thought since I surrendered myself to Christ, there would be no more trials in my life. Then in a matter of two weeks, everything just came crumbling down. I thought I put the worst behind me only to go through it again, left feeling alone and confused. Confused on why people walk out of my life when I've done nothing wrong, why I'm still finding the urges to pull out of my hair, or why I've spent three years with a person I knew I wanted to marry and to have a family with, and now it's just gone. This story, my story is one big jumble mess going back and forth like a broken record, a broken life in a broken world. But the jumble mess is strengthening my faith and my hope. Before, I thought hope is what I needed to change in my life. I hope that one day the friends that left me will come back into my life or that the hair pulling is all of a sudden going to disappear or if I sit on my couch watching the door, my former boyfriend is gonna walk through it. But hope isn't waiting for something just to turn around. If I would have had a clear vision of what my life was then to now, I would have ran the other way. But if I did, I wouldn't have seen what was, I wouldn't have been able to see what is to come or to hear God whisper, but wait, your friends betrayed you, but I have someone better waiting who will be loyal to you. I will use your gifts along with your brokenness to make you a follower of Christ, a worship leader, leading those who need my hope too. I would have seen in the vision that what God planned turned out to be much bigger than myself. I'll leave you with this. Isaiah 55, 8 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. I don't know what your story is or what you carry in your hearts, 
but I know that my story does not end here and neither does yours. It's not going to be a perfect order because finding faith is messy. But hope will, find the, will fill those voids of mess and mend the broken when things in our lives seem out of order. I want to encourage you to give those burdens to the Lord even when you don't understand why you're carrying them in the first place. Have that confidence in what God has in store for you because of what he's already done for us. God began to shape me already, so why would he stop now? Friends, hope is a symbol of his everlasting presence in our lives. It is the firm foundation that reminds us there is something higher than what we know right now. God sent down his only son to be the beacon of a living hope. Like in Isaiah 7:14, mentioned that the baby would be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. In the sheer amount of darkness, despite our doubts, our resentments, and our sins, God is with us. He was with us then, he is now, and he is forever. The living hope isn't finished with you or me yet. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, 14. And the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be good for all people. Luke 2, 8 through 10. My name is Michael Donnan, and I am a recent UNI graduate, currently pursuing to be a financial advisor. I grew up in a very permissive parenting style, meaning I really did whatever I wanted and got away with anything I did. My parents were divorced at the age of four years old, and I like to say that I raised myself. I did not have a curfew growing up, no rules to follow, and the lack of engagement did not bring a lot of joy into my life. Fast forward to high school, I got caught up in hanging out with the wrong crowd and making choices I'm not proud of. I was leaving during the school lunch breaks just to get high and finish the day. This habit carried on throughout high school and I got to the point where my father and best friend's families were finding out. I did not want to disappoint my parents or my best friend's family, so I decided to stop doing these things and try to clean myself up before college. My first semester of college started off great. I got involved in five different student organizations and found great lifelong friends through the Sigma Phi Epsilon fraternity. I even gained my first leadership position. My uncle, Pat Kress, who is a ministry leader at Orchard Hill Church, introduced me to Basic at Lang, and I attended most Thursdays. All these experiences were some of the first moments I experienced joy in my life. Little did I know, the second semester of freshman year would be the worst couple months of my life. As we were driving home from a conference with my fraternity, my Aunt Lisa called me saying, I'm so sorry to do this over the phone, but I wanted it to come from me. Your dad passed away in his sleep last night, unexpectedly. I couldn't speak. I dropped on my knees and began crying. I couldn't believe what I just heard. I did not know what to do with myself in this moment. I was stuck and confused. The two-hour drive home felt like two weeks. I am very thankful I had some of my best friends with me. It was hard for my family, especially my grandmother, who was almost 90 years old, having a funeral in the church that my grandma's been attending since the 1960s. My dad was baptized and grew up in this church, and they raised him in this church, and 53 years later, they're having to attend a funeral for her son. God bless her heart, because I don't know how she did it. One month later, after my dad passed away, I went on a spring break trip to Florida that was paid for by my best friend's family. 
When I was about to board the plane uh, to head home, I received another phone call from my aunt informing me my grandma passed away in her sleep at the nursing home. I froze and did not know what to do. I couldn't cry anymore. I couldn't. I was not able to speak. I felt lost, broken, and hopeless. No sign of true joy. I only had one option that I thought would help. Back to partying, going out every night, chasing girls, doing drugs, stopped going to basic and church for the rest of the year. I kept filling my life up with all these distractions. I was displaying to my friends and family that I was doing great, but on the inside, I was a complete wreck. After a year of doing all the bad habits, COVID hit, and I was fortunate Lisa and Pat let me move in with them. During quarantine, I was no longer able to do those toxic things. Not being able to see what the future holds or not being able to be active and social gave me a ton of anxiety. But luckily, I was invited to attend a Bible study at my church I grew up in. I went because I needed something to do, and I believe God used quarantine to build my relationship with Jesus. 1 Peter 6-7 through says this, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little bit, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. I read this verse during the Bible study, and it spoke to me. I was thinking this is all I have to do, and I will experience joy in my life. So with all this free time, I began doing online church with Pat and Lisa, asking them why God did this to me and made me go through all these storms. I literally started talking to God through daily devotionals. He was my best friend during quarantine. Pat and Lisa really helped me find my faith. The way they brought me in and made me one of their own gave me a sense of belonging to their whole family. This is one of the biggest joys I could ask for. Maybe you're scared, terrified, like the shepherds were living out in the fields. I can tell you I was. But like the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring good news of great joy that will be good for all people. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe you're hiding bad behavior. Maybe you're dealing a lot with a loss of a loved one. Maybe you're dealing with divorced parents or a lack of belonging. Whatever it may be, I'm here to tell you, you're not alone. And there are shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring good news of great joy that will be good for all people. Luke 2, 8 through 10. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Luke 2, 11 through 14. Hi, my name is Kaylee Fisher, um, and I'm actually about to finish my last semester at UNI and will be student teaching in the spring. Um, Luke 2, 11 through 14 is about the glorious sights the shepherds encountered on the dark hillsides of the little town of Bethlehem when the angel of the Lord suddenly appeared before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. But I really want to focus on verse 14. This verse is about the thrilling sounds of rejoicing that a host of angels lit up the night sky with. This angelic choir delivered good news, a message to all humanity that to be forgiven of your sins and have an everlasting life, all you had to do was believe in our Savior. 
But the true message that was shared this night that we particularly remember when we talk about the birth of Jesus was that these good tidings, which spoke of joy to mankind and peace on earth, were for a particular group of people. The good tidings of great joy and lasting peace about which the angels sang were for men of good will. God has promised peace to men with whom the Lord is well pleased, those that are saved by grace through faith in Christ. To bring peace means to end a war. My freshman year of college, I had a war raging inside of me. I was a very new Christian in a new place with very few people that I knew. I missed my friends from back home, my parents, and even the boyfriend I was doing long distance with at the time. My new friends in college wanted to be what I would consider the normal college freshman and party whenever possible. That was never me, a war. I'd come to basic every week and sit alone, feeling lonely and depressed, a war. Norrin Hall, room 437, a place that was supposed to be somewhere for solace, and all it did was leave me feeling isolated, a war. My boyfriend of almost two years broke up with me on New Year's Eve, a war. I came back my second semester of college begging God to give me the peace promised in these verses. All I was met with was more sorrow and temptation than I thought I could handle. I tried to find peace in worldly things, but as it turns out, no amount of tension from boys or chips, sips of cheap alcohol can give you any sort of peace. Now sometime between my sophomore year and now, I have found some peace. I never really had a light bulb moment of when I realized I was starting to feel peace in my battles, um, but instead a collection of moments, like when the lights would go down in Lang Auditorium where we used to have basic and the sounds of the band starting to play would ring through, or getting coffee with a friend on a warm fall day. Even standing in the doors, greeting all of you on the hospitality team over the years has become a feeling of peace. I came back for my second year of college hungry for what God had in store and craving a feeling that I thought I knew. I thought being happy equaled peace, when in all reality, it's a completely different feeling. I found happiness because I found peace. Because of the peace I found at BASIC, I was able to find friends and join a team. The war raging inside of me ended when I finally found the feeling I'd been looking everywhere for. Now I am still human. I still find myself with internal wars and sometimes even questioning God, but I'll always find peace here whenever I'm in his presence. And we need that peace that Jesus brings. We are all going to face battles in our lives. Some of us may even be waging a war right now. No matter what your war looks like, true peace is found in Christ and Christ alone. God has brought peace to the people on earth through Jesus, and through Jesus, all things are possible. The army of heaven is always on your side. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. 
Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Luke 2, 11 through 14. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16. Hello everyone, my name is Sam Madsen. I'm a student at Warburg College. Uh, I study graphic design and English, run cross country and track, and co-lead a life group. And today, I'm here to help share the Christmas story through the lens of John 3.16. All right guys, I'm gonna give it to you straight. Christmas is all about gifts. We all know it's the celebration of Jesus' birth, but if you ask any kid out there why they love Christmas so much, they're going to mention presents before they mention baby Jesus. So gifts, that's what Christmas is all about, right? It's true, but what you may not realize is it's always been that way. You see, just as loving parents give gifts to their children, God the Father has given us the gift of Jesus Christ, the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive. And to truly understand what the gift of Jesus means, let's break down verse 316 into three parts. The first part, for God so loved the world. These first six words simply explain God's motivation. God chose to send down Jesus, his only son, to live with us on earth purely from his unwavering love for us. Think of all the gifts we have given because we feel like it's the right thing to do a moral obligation, or just to impress somebody. But how lucky are we to have a loving Father who gave us the gift of Jesus despite our sinful, misled, and troubled nature? These are the characteristics that would lead him to his crucifixion. The second part, he gave us his one and only Son. Jesus was betrayed and hung on the cross. He suffered and was mocked and criticized. God is all-knowing. He knew this would be the outcome, yet he still did it. Imagine giving a gift to a loved one and somehow you knew this gift would result in pain for you. Would you still give it for their sake? God came down to earth knowing he was going to be betrayed and crucified, but just out of his genuine love, he did it for us. He gave everything to us in order for our salvation. All right, and finally, the third part, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus Christ is literally the gift that keeps giving. Not only was he the source of the teachings and the gospels we study today, but he saved us from our sins by dying on the cross. And now we are welcome to live in his kingdom forever, the greatest gift we could ever imagine. Yet, Sometimes it's easy to forget all of this. We can get overly concerned with our selfish intentions and forget the blessings we've been graced with and fall out of touch with our faith and the, and the Lord. There have been times in my life where I've doubted Jesus and questioned the purpose of my faith to the point where I decided I didn't believe anymore. At the time, I didn't see how faith played a role in my life and I disregarded it, assuming it was a waste of time. I had never seen any evidence of positive results produced by faith. And when I came to college, I never thought I'd go to church again. 
I didn't realize that this is when I'd rely on Jesus the most. This is also the time where my struggle with mental health became very apparent. My insecurities were eating me alive and I felt isolated and unwanted everywhere I went. It's been a constant battle to understand and acknowledge my self-worth. In every facet of my life, I became discouraged and afraid I wasn't good enough. And I now have a better understanding of these negative feelings and I have been diagnosed with depression and anxiety. It is something that I've avoided dressing for a long time from fear and refusal. And looking back throughout my time of facing this issue, I think there's one major factor that helped me begin to take steps forward. I realized that I was not alone. There was someone who understood me and the things I was going through, and that was Jesus. I was lucky to have been included into such a welcoming community of some of my cross-country teammates who helped me realize this and, uh, and helped return me uh, to faith. And from there, I've grown. I began to attend a Bible study and church every week with this new found community. My faith is still growing and I still struggle with depression, but just knowing that I am a recipient of a gift from God never fails to help. So I urge you this holiday season to remember this verse and understand that the greatest Christmas gift of all is our Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3:16. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will not walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to eternal life. John 8:12. Hello, I'm Emily Skur, and at this point it's normal for people to introduce themselves by where they go to school, what their major is, and what they want to be when they grow up. Well, if I introduced myself that way, it wouldn't make much sense because it would go something like this. I'm Emily, I don't go to school anymore, I used to study art education, and I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So instead, I'm going to introduce myself like this. I'm from Pella, Iowa, I love my friends and family, I love to learn about the people around me, I feel closest to Jesus when I'm outdoors, I love to create, I'm 20 years old, and my greatest goal in life is to live in a way that others can experience Jesus' light. Growing up, I had always found so much hope in knowing Jesus. He was my strength and my light when things were difficult, especially in school. As a kid, it was always so hard for me to follow along with what was happening in the classroom. I was always slower than my friends, and I was terrified to ask my teachers for help. Elementary and middle school were difficult, but I made it through thanks to my parents and especially Jesus. He showed me his love and light through giving me teachers who were kind, by giving me friends who loved me for who I was, and by giving me comfort when I was anxious. When I got to high school, I was still struggling. All of the work that was required for me to graduate was causing me so much anxiety and confusion because I was doing my best, but still not seeing the results I was hoping for. My junior year, my parents and I had decided it would be beneficial to explore a center for learning. There, they would do some testing and evaluations on how my brain works. After many tests, I was diagnosed with atypical dyslexia and dysnomia. Dyslexia makes it difficult to learn, read, or interpret words and letters, and dysnomia makes it difficult to recall words, names, and numbers from memory. 
This diagnosis was actually a relief. Everything made sense, and I walked away from the meeting knowing that there were a lot of ways I could get help. God used the people at the Learning Center to help me gain confidence, learn strategies to help myself, and to understand what I was capable of. These things were what helped me make it through the rest of high school and to also be accepted into college. Moving day was so exciting, and I couldn't wait to start my classes. And the first few weeks were, were challenging, but I was learning a lot, at, and as the semester continued, things became complicated, and I felt really out of place. I was overwhelmed, and my stress turned into a great amount of anxiety. Although the, academic part, although the academic part of college was exhausting, I had found so many gifts from God. I'd met the people who would soon become some of my best friends, and I had found a community here at BASIC. All of these things were reasons God kept me in school at UNI. I was thankful, but then my friends and family helped me recognize that maybe staying enrolled at UNI wasn't the healthiest for me overall. After deep consideration, I made the decision to transfer to Hawkeye Community for my second semester. But even after changing my major and transferring, I couldn't figure school out. I'd met multiple times with a student success specialist, and I can remember one specific meeting where he'd come up with a very detailed plan to help me get back on track for the rest of my semester. The day after this meeting, I received an email that I'm sure many of you also received. It was basically letting me know that we were all about to see a global pandemic and we were all being sent home indefinitely. Well, we all know how this ended up and I moved back, moved back to my parents' house. I did not want to leave my friends or move classes online. When classes switched, the student success specialist called me and asked how things were going. Unfortunately, things were not going well. During this call, we had decided it would be too difficult to finish the semester alone. When I we figured it would be best for me to withdraw from classes. Even though I knew it was best for me, I was really ashamed to have dropped out of school. It was not what I had wanted for myself, nor was it something I'd ever thought would become my reality. I was mad with myself, but I was also mad with God. I remember crying out to him because I couldn't understand his timing and my heart was so broken. I thought that if I had stayed enrolled at school, things would get Things would work out, but looking back now, what God had for me was always so much better. I'm currently working full-time as a special ed para, and although it's a challenging job, I trust God continues to know what is best for me, even though it looks a lot different than everyone else around me. I know if I keep following Jesus, I will see his light and promises every day. I'm constantly challenged, but I choose to follow him because I know God only speaks truth. Who I am is not based on the things I do in my life. Over the last two years, there have definitely been dark times, but I have never been left alone, and I can rest knowing I will not miss what God has for me. At first I thought, or at first I thought Jesus was maybe shining his light to reveal my brokenness, but I have learned that he is the light that is actually going to guide me to new beginnings. His goal isn't to leave me feeling ashamed, but is to help me find who I was created to be. Only the light of the world, Jesus, can guide me to what is right, so I'll continue to remember what God promises. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. John 8, 12.